It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Is your mind residing in the past room where regrets, past hurts, painful memories, grudges, or other memories are impacting you today? Or perhaps you are hanging out in the future room where worry, anxiety, or fear haunt you daily. Today's special guest, Kevin Murphy, is back on A Fine Time for Healing for the second time to discuss his book and powerful philosophy for living, The Three Rooms, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. The Three Rooms gives us a roadmap to the present room, the one where all of that fades away, and you can blossom into your highest potential, greatest success, and a love-filled life. While Eckhart Tolle and others have extolled the value of living in the present moment, many people have found that philosophy a challenge to implement. But the genius of Kevin's book is how easy and simple he makes it to realize when you are not and how you can shift back into the present room. The, pre- the premise besides, behind the three rooms is simple. Did I just say that? Okay. Anyway, Kevin Murphy, a former Wall Street managing director, high school and co- collegiate wrestling champion, community activist, speaker coach, stepped away from the corporate world to write the three rooms. And um, he's going to tell us later on about his newest book that is uh, going to print fairly soon. So um, let's welcome Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Welcome, welcome back. Good morning, Randy. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> it's um, it's my pleasure. <clears throat> and not to be redundant or keep repeating myself, but I just wanted to, to say to my listeners that um, Kevin was on my show uh, on December 5th of 2018. And, you know, I've done 500 shows or more, and, you know, they they all begin to blend together, except for a few very few. I can count them on one hand. And, and Kevin's book and Kevin's principles just remains with me all this time. So I wanted to bring him to you again so you could hear it because I think it will impact you strongly in your life. Um, so Kevin, so we're talking about the three rooms. What do the three rooms represent? Well, I think you know you you were trying to allude to it. The you know the the premise of the book is that our experience of life is not based on on what we do or or what we have. It's based on what we think, and our thoughts can only be in one of three places. They can be in the past or the past room. They can be in the future or the future room, or they can be in the present or the present room. And whichever room your thoughts are in determines your experience of life in that moment because, of course, our thoughts can go back and forth. So the key is to know which room your thoughts are in. And in order to know which room your thoughts are in, you need to observe your thoughts. 
And it is that active observation that separates your awareness from your thoughts. So now you are connected with that awareness, and that awareness is that divine consciousness that all the mystics have talked about. That's the Christ consciousness, the Buddha consciousness, um, and and more from a more scientific, you know, perspective, uh, you know, the you know the quantum field, if you will, you know, this field of you know, this unified field of energy. So that awareness of that consciousness is where we want to go. And so thinking about what you're thinking about, which they describe now as you know metacognition, that's really the key. And the three rooms is designed to provide a simple guidepost to saying, okay, my thoughts are in one of these three places. As long as I know which room my thoughts are in, I'm already connected to that awareness of that consciousness that I want to be grounded in. Okay, wow, that's so, that's so great. You know, and it, it really, because we hear a lot about staying in the present moment, um, and I think for a lot of people that's difficult. To do, they don't. We don't really understand what that means or how to do it. And of course, we keep floating backwards and forwards, and very spend very little time in the in the present room. Um, this book was um, spiritually gifted to you, right? Well, let's say certainly. Um, you know, while I started writing this, I was um, you know in. I had spent, you know, 33 years um, in in the corporate world at the same firm, and um, and didn't expect to write this, you know, this book. I just started getting, um, you know, premonitions that I was that I was going to write a, a book, and I and I kept getting this, you know, image of of three doors, and one was labeled the past, and one was labeled the present, and one was labeled the future, and I was trying to figure it out. And I, as I I started writing down things, and I kept describing what was behind each door. And so the three doors became the three rooms. And so eventually I just, you know, I was, I was writing on the way commuting to work on the way home, you know, on, on trains, you know, on over the weekends. And I just kept adding and adding to it. Um, and once it was all compiled and done, that's when I thought, okay, let me, you know, let me step away. I think I'm supposed to, you know, to, to publish this. Um, and, you know, and I just kept getting the premonition, okay, now you've, now you've written the book. Now, now try to start living it. And, um, you know, it has certainly brought some, some peace and, and, and tranquility into my life. How hard was it for you to adjust to this these principles? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it, it, everybody, it's a little bit different for everybody. Um, I, I went through some, um, let's say, major challenges, you know, in my life, um, having, you know, been you know, divorced at a young age and, and having young kids and not being able to, you know, to see them all the time. And, and um, you know, I, I had it out with the with the guy upstairs you know you call it god or whoever that that being was i i stood on my bed and 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 cursed him out one night um and so i went through those those nights of the soul and um and then i kind of went on this you know spiritual journey um while i was still at work and so i think you know it took a long time it's not something that you can just click on and just say oh well, now I see everything differently, um, and, and I don't pretend that things are easy. I think the, the concept of the three rooms is simple, but implementing it is not easy, and there's a difference you know, be, between those. And, and when I say not easy is because it's just, it, takes, um, it takes focus and it takes determination that you want to 
that you want to change your life and most importantly that you want to feel better and you just want to feel good every day. And is that what happened with you once you were able to um, to really get this, grasp this and um, put it in your life? Yeah, I can say um, that I'm uh, I'm at a point where um, things have have worked out uh, extremely well in my life. I'm I'm very fortunate for a lot of things, and I'm very grateful. And I think that gratitude um, keeps feeding more and more good things. And so, as more good things come in, and you're you know grateful for those good things. That's where it just creates more good things, and it creates a kind of an expectation that you're expecting good things to happen, and it becomes something where you don't want to let that go. So as negative things come in or people say this or things that are happening um, in, in this, this whole you know, physical world, you know, the, the 3D world that we're looking at, um, as the, keep things coming up. It's not that bad things don't keep p- coming up, but it's, it's, it's how you perceive them and how you look at them that um, they no longer have the same effect. They no longer have the same effect on me, and, and I think that's, you know, a, a lot of people, I sur- and it's not just me, it's, I, I just surround myself with people with positive energy. My wife and I, we, we know we like to, you know, go out, and if we have dinner with somebody, we want to have dinner with, with people that have positive energy. They're not sitting there, you know, complaining about their lives all day long, and that's not to say that we can't be empathetic towards them, and we, we, we will, um, but people who just, you know, are, are stuck in the mode of constantly, um, you know, seeing seeing challenges and, and being stuck in the wrong room, if you will, um, you know, that's it's easy to get dragged into, you know, the, in the, the past room or the future room. And so I think it's that, it's that ability to stay in the present room, which is simply monitoring how you feel and knowing, you know, that, um, you know, this is, this is the positive energy I want to feel, um, and, and I'm not going to let anything change it. So what kind of association emotions would we have when we're in the past room? Well, I think it's, you know, I think we really need to take a step back and say for the three rooms, you know, when, when you, we talk about emotions and feelings, they get blurred a lot. I mean, people blend them together all the time, right? So if, you're, if we're thinking about our thoughts and where our thoughts go, um, the thoughts have to be tied to an emotion, and that creates a, you know, a feeling state. So we have all these different feelings, and you think where the feelings come from. So we have thoughts, and the thought plus the emotion creates the feeling state, and that's really like a belief. What is a belief? A belief is a combination of your thoughts and emotions. So when you think about your thoughts, every thought you have, and we have something like 60 or 70,000 thoughts a day, every thought is coupled with an emotion. We can make it really simple. We can say there's just two emotions. There's just love or fear. And you say, well, it's not just, you know, there's, there's more than that, but really it's the same as light and darkness. And there's really only light. And, you know, if someone says, well, no, of course there's darkness. And you say, well, there's really not darkness. There is either light or the absence of light. And we call that darkness. But if you walk into a dark room and you have light, the darkness disappears. It's no, it doesn't exist. And the same with, with love in our life. If we have love in our life, fear cannot coexist with love. So if we look at our life, observe our life, and where our thoughts are through this lens of love, then 
everything changes. The thoughts, whatever thoughts we have, combined with the emotion of love, generates positive feelings, positive feeling states like joy, bliss, appreciation, compassion, empathy, things like this. Um, but when you turn around and you start to mix your thoughts with fear, then you get all different types of derivatives of fear. Now, in the past room, typically it generates things, feelings such as anger or guilt or resentment you know, or shame or blame. Because you're thinking about it, it's reminding you of thinking about someone and that's um, you're reminding you of something that you didn't like. Um, and, but all those feelings are derivatives of fear. Just like in the future room, if you are thinking about something in the future, but you are thinking at it through the lens of fear, that thought plus that emotion of fear creates feeling states that are, are negative feeling states, like stress, anxiety. Um, and so people say, well, I, I don't want to feel those ways, but it's, and, it's, and we can talk about how you get stuck in those rooms, both from a spiritual and from a scientific standpoint, from a biology standpoint, but it's knowing how you feel. And think of it this way. If you just had a pair, someone gave you a pair of glasses, and they said, here, you put on these glasses, I put on one pair of glasses, you put on another pair of glasses. And my pair of glasses is, is a lens. It's the lens through which I'm observing my life, and it's a lens of love. So on, through these glasses, everything looks great. I just feel love no matter what. I just, my life doesn't change. I still may, may be going through some you know, health issues, financial issues, everything, but I'm looking at everything through the lens of love. Whatever I do during that day, it's generating feelings that are derivatives of love. So I'm still appreciative for the little things. And we know those kind of people. We see them, we see, you know, the, 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 the housewife or the, or the house cleaner, let's say, from Ecuador who's, who works 12 hours a day and doesn't have much money, but she's always so happy. And people say, well, why is she, how is she so happy? Well, people, she's looking through the lens of love. She's seeing her life through, a, you know, a specific love through that emotion and every thought coupled with that emotion, generates that derivative of love. And now you have the different glasses, and those, those are the lens of fear. So now, no matter what's going on in your life, and it could be something great. It could be you, all these good things are happening to you. You live in this beautiful house. You have a great spouse and all these things, but you're looking through the lens of fear. Everything, all your thoughts are mixed with fear. And now it's generating all these thoughts of either stress, anxiety, you know, like we talked about, or anger or guilt. And we see that all the time. We see people that have so much, and they seem so miserable, and they're always so angry. And you're like, why? Because they're looking at it through the long lens. So think of the lens of which you observe this movie of your life. Think of it as there's only two lenses, which is there's really only two emotions that we can have, love or fear. And everything, every one of those emotions coupled with the thought produces a feeling state. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. What a great explanation. Um, you use the word love a lot. I understand that concept. But, you know, when I work with people who um, have gone through narcissistic abuse and um, other kinds of domestic abuse, whether in childhood or adulthood or both, um, that concept of love is very, very skewed. And it takes me a couple sessions with people to really get them to understand what love is, including self-love. So I wanted to see if maybe you could explain that in a way that maybe I haven't been able to. 
Well, you said the key, self-love. I mean, everything um, everything starts with self-love. And if and if you go back to what I was saying, there's there is only light. There is no darkness because darkness can't exist with in light. There is only love, and you know there is you know the absence of love, which we call fear. And so, self-love is the most important thing. It starts with waking up in the morning and it starts with, with loving yourself. And so from a, you know, we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, but we can also look at it from a, a biological standpoint. And if you really want to look at it, sometimes people have an easier understanding when you, when you speak in science terms as opposed to spiritual terms because spiritual, they go, oh, yeah, that's a bunch of malarkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, let's shift for a second to, to a, a science perspective. And, um, and we know with the studies of epigenetics and neuroplasticity and things that are, that where, where science is now explaining things that have happened in the past, like epigenetics says, you know, the, the environment signals our genes. Um, and the environment can be an external environment or it can be an internal environment. And internally, there is no more powerful force for the environment, and the environment of love within your body does miraculous things. You know, it's just, you know, it's those loving thoughts activate, or the combination of your thoughts plus love, and we'll call them loving thoughts, activate genes that, that suppress tumors and cancer and just have these incredible healing mechanisms. And meanwhile, thoughts of, you know, that you mix with fear produce you know, stress, let's call it, if it's built in the future room, and that signals, you know, the genes to produce cortisol, which, you know, which causes disease in the body. So the environment that you create within yourself, and forget about everything you see and hear and touch when you get out into the world. When you wake up in the morning and how you start your day, if you feel love in your heart, you are already starting to signal and activate genes that just you know, um, produce all kinds of incredible proteins in your body. And if you start to change and look out and start to think about what you need to do that day and I'm never going to be able to do this and all these other things, you're simply mixing it with fear. And like I said, you're changing the biology of your body. So that love, that is really what, you know, that's, that's what it is, this consciousness that permeates everything it's all about love, and you can have anything in your life. And we can talk about, you know, creating, you know, how we create our experience of life. And, and we do. We create what we experience. And people don't buy that. They say, you know, that's, that's always because of that person's fault or it's that person's fault, and I am the way I am because of them. No, you are the way you are because of you, of what you're thinking, and the lens through which you are observing it. Great explanation. The problem that um, many of my clients have is that they've been told um, that it's selfish to love themselves because they've been told that by a very self-centered person who doesn't want them to love themselves. So for them to make that switch between selfishness and self-love is is kind of confusing. Um, But, you know, self, what I tell them is selfishness is taking something from someone and keeping it for yourself. Self-love is an entirely internal thing. 
Um, we don't take from any, anybody, and it gives us the ability to give out more without exhaustion, right? Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think you simply ask yourself, when you're on an airplane, why do they tell you to put your own – you're sitting with your child – who you love more than anything in the whole world. And they're telling you to put your own face mask on first if something happens before you help your child. And you say, are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. I'm taking care of my child. But now you're trying to fidget and your child's all nervous and they're, they're, they're fighting and fighting and fighting and all of a sudden you pass out while you're trying to help your child. Now you're both not saved. And so what did that do? So why do they say take care of yourself first? When you take care of yourself first, being selfish, having self-love, now you are fully able to help others. But you are not in the position to help others if, if you are not feeling, feeling good, feeling positive, feeling, you know, being love, if you will. So um, the selfishness, you, you hit on a point that's, that affects just so many people. And when, when someone tells you that you're being selfish for thinking of yourself, you know, the, the best response would be thank you. Thank you, I am. I'm, I want to take care of myself, and then I'll tell you what, I promise you. As soon as I take care of myself and I'm in a good place, then I'll, I'll start to help you too. How's that? Wow. That's excellent, Kevin. Oh, thank you for explaining that. I knew you'd do a better job than me <laughs> because I've explained this over and over, but I really, really like the way you said that. Um, so you um, mentioned before that we can talk about how we get stuck in these rooms. Um, uh- is that, yeah, is that something that we can um, discuss now? Yes, and um, that's it's probably one of the biggest challenges that, that people have. Um, and I think, you know, the, the prelude to being stuck in a room is the most important thing is, is starting with being aware of which room you're in and getting stuck in a room, in the past room or the future room with all these negative emotions, largely is because someone's not aware that they're in there. And so they get used to those are just constantly looking back. They're constantly, you know, being angry about things that other people did or maybe things that they did and they feel guilty about it and there's all this anger resentment and they just constantly keep going back and they don't realize what they're doing so they're in this loop and likewise constantly you know waking up in the morning constantly worrying about everything that's going to happen all day long people don't consciously say i think i want to be miserable today i think i want to mix up all my thoughts with fear and just get, generate all these negative emotions and just let me hold on to these negative you know feelings today they don't consciously do that but they're not aware of what's going on and so it just they just keep it just keeps happening over and over and so what what happens from a biological standpoint is as i mentioned you you know you have you have thoughts, and if you have thoughts that are, you know, that start mixing with fear, that are creating the feeling of stress, those feelings of stress goes into your hormonal system, which sends messages back to the brain that says, produce more thoughts equal to those feelings. And so now you start to produce more stressful thoughts. 
and it starts to go around and around. So not only so you're constantly thinking of those stressful thoughts and your your body is saying, "Oh, more stressful thoughts, that's what they want to do." They're, you know, you started creating it and your body is just saying, "Okay, here we go." And so you don't realize what's happening, but also you're you really can't stop it or it's very hard to stop it because biologically your body keeps doing it and the same thing with 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 feelings of anger and and so it starts with knowing which room you're in and knowing which room you're in is very simple it's just based on how you feel and so if you can say how do i feel right now how am i feeling and if you know you're feeling angry and guilty it's very quick you know you can figure it out very quickly oh it's because that person or you might be feeling good in the morning until you walked into the office and all of a sudden you see that coworker who pissed you off from three days ago and they just or that it's constantly you're having battles with and they put you in that negative you know feelings again so it's knowing where you know what you're feeling is so key because you're going to be stuck in those feelings and once you can start to feel better once you can say i want to feel good and you start to think about things that make you feel good and you start to change it, then, then that starts to create, biologically, it's the same thing. We kind of talked about it earlier, like someone's just always kind of happy, and what's happening, they're sending positive you know, um, you know, emotion. They're mixing things with love in their body. It's generating positive feelings, which is producing different types of proteins. It's not producing cortisol in the body. It's, it's producing endorphins that are making you feel wonderful, like these love chemicals, and then you look at those annoying people that are always so happy. You know, how are they so happy all the time? Well, because they're constantly they're they're stuck in that in that loop too, where it's just constantly the feelings of love mixed with the thoughts produce positive feelings, which generate more thoughts that positive feelings, and it just keeps going and going. So, whichever room you're in, you tend to stay in until you can change that. And and I think there's one word that can help people, one, know they're in the wrong room, and two, help them get back into the present room. And that word is not. You know, and in the three rooms I talk about, remove the not. And so if you think of the words I am, I am is our awareness of being. That is that is who we are. And, and whatever you put after I am, and, and there's been a lot of you know, tons of literature written on, on the I am concept. And so if you think of it as your awareness of being and whatever you put after I am, that's what you're being. But remember, you can be, you can say I am this or I am that, and you may or may not believe it, but everyone can understand I am. You are something, like if you just say I am. And so that's who you are. And that kind of gets you grounded. And if you add the one word I am not, that changes everything. So just think of it as someone says, I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am wise. I am, you just start thinking about all these things. That's why they talk about positive affirmations. Now you start to really get this feeling of, wow, because that's your awareness of being. That's what you are putting after the I am. And you start to feel great. And all those things that we're talking about, they just start to magnify in your life. And you go, I am happy and healthy and wealthy and wise. Now all of a sudden, someone says, no, you can't do that. Now you start to share that. And someone says, you're not, you're not, 
wealthy? What are you talking about? You don't have anything. You know, or you're not. And you start to say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not healthy. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got diabetes. I got this or that. Or I'm not wealthy. I'm, I don't have any money. I'm not. And now you start to add the word not. And all of a sudden, everything is, I am not healthy, I am not happy, I am not wealthy, I am not wise. And people don't even realize it, but they constantly add that one word, not. And that shifts your entire awareness of being from one of love and unity to fear and separation. I'm not, I'm all by myself, I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to do this, I'm not going to be able to do that. And so that becomes... I'm not healthy, I'm not wealthy, I'm not wise, that becomes your, whichever room you're now in, either the past or the future, depending on where your thoughts are, that becomes the, the emotion, the, the feelings that you're generating. So remove the not. Don't use the word I am not. If you catch yourself, I am not, just stop. What, what am I? I am, and only say I am and add something. And if you want to make the simple start with I am love. And that's who I am. I'm, you know, this this consciousness of love. I'm a good person. You know, I like myself. I am, I'm like I'm happy regardless of what's going on. And that's that's how you can turn around and start to be one, be aware of which room you're in, and two, start to change which room you're in simply by removing the not. Amazing. That one word, not. Um, so can we float back, can we float forward into the future room, um, and dream or do we, because, you know, we want to be happy. We want to think positive thoughts and sometimes that involves the future. So how do we negotiate that? I mean, it's a, a really good question because I think that. Probably the um, the biggest sticking point for most people. Like so, you know, you have to plan for the future. So what am I? I, I don't go into the future room. You know, I, I have to plan for the future, or like like I, I have to learn from the past. I have to, you know, plan for the future. How do I not go into the future room? And this is this is the real key. Um, going, imagining, or dreaming about the future is not going into the future room. The future room is when you're thinking about something in the future and you're mixing it with fear. You're mixing it with the emotion of fear or you're seeing it through the lens of fear. That's causing negative emotions. That's adding the not. And I'm not going to be able to do this. So you're thinking about it. You're dreaming about something. Oh, I really want to get that car, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to afford that. And, and so you just immediately, you've shot it down. You've said, hey, I, I thought about that. I, I pictured it in my mind. It didn't come. Well, it didn't come because right after you pictured it, you said, well, I'm not really going to be able to do that. And immediately, you know, you, you, you wiped out that, that thought. So that's being in the, in the future room. But being in the present room, you can absolutely imagine a future that you want. You can imagine that car. You can imagine being healthy. And right now, you imagine how it would feel to have that. Man, that would be great to just drive that car. So let's just say you come home, you know, and, and people say, well, I can't help it. I, I really want this new car. My neighbor, of all people, 
gets this new car. It's the car that I love. And every day I got to come home and I got to look at this car in his driveway. And every day it gets you angry. And you how did he afford that? I can't believe that. I have the same typical job and I can't afford that. And I'm not going to be able to, you know, I hope he crashes it. I hope something happens. And you just have all of these negative thoughts all the time because you're mad that he's got the car you want and you can't have it. And so you're saying, you know, look, I, this is, this is BS because I, I wanted that. I imagined that car. Now I can't have it, you know, screw him. And meanwhile, if you saw that car, in his driveway, and every day he said, wow, that is great. If he can do it, that means I can do it. And every day on the way home, you start imagining two cars side by side in the driveway. And you're going, that would be great. I mean, I'm, I've got a car as well, just like that. And you start picturing that side by side. I can guarantee you that the likelihood, and I'll say the certainty, but you know, we'll, we'll make it even a little easier to you know, comprehend, the likelihood that you end up with a, that beautiful car side by side with your neighbor's car is significantly enhanced because you were you know, um, happy for him and you kept imagining what it was. So once again, the future room, I mean, let's say the present room, is imagining something in the future and feeling it now as if it has already happened and as if you already have it. And that's, one of the, that's the biggest key to creating the life you want, but it's also the biggest stumbling point for people to comprehend. And that makes sense, right? If it was easy, then everybody would be doing it and just creating their own life. Um, but it's not it's it's not so easy. But we do we do create that that life. Um and think of it this way, this this feel that where your thoughts go. And I think the last time I was on the show we talked about um you know where our thoughts go and I said the you know, a thought is just a vibration that is stored as energy in this field of, of potential probabilities, and they're and they're waiting to manifest. And these thoughts, think of it as almost it's almost like your higher self is writing a new script for your life. And and you you think about that new car, and you say, well, I'd really love to have it. And even though my neighbor has it, I, now I know I can have it. And you imagine that. Well, then there's a new script that that you have that car. That's a that's the, in the movie of your life that script is written and if you keep feeling as if that's going to happen well eventually at some point in this movie in this life movie you know it's going to happen because you're going to attract that to you um, another way to look at it is you can look at this this field if you will this quantum field this field this unified field of energy whatever you this divine consciousness whatever you want to call it um, is like a giant mirror in the sky and it is always reflecting who we are being and who we are being is that there's a combination of our, of our thoughts and emotions. Um, so you know, our thoughts and emotions create how we feel. And so thinking of it simple, is, and I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible, but it's not a simple concept. How we are feeling creates the projection of who we are being. And who we are being creates the reflection that we experience in our life. You can't get around it. This field, this quantum field, reflects who we are being in any moment. So you say, well, okay, well, how do I change who I'm being? And well, who you're being is based on what you think and, 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 and your emotions, your thoughts and emotions. So I want to make sure that I look at through the lens of love, which is being happy for my neighbor and 
knowing that I could have that car instead of fear, like, now I'm never going to be able to get that. I hope it's, and it, it, it changes everything. So that, you know, it's, let's, let's leave it like that. Hope, um, hope that made a little sense. Oh my gosh. It made a lot of sense. <clears throat> so as you're speaking, I'm thinking, okay, so <clears throat> there's kind of, maybe there's more, but I'm coming up with three different kind of philosophies that people use to guide their life. One is religion or God, where they think, okay, God is making the plans for me, and I'm just in God's hands, and it's however it's going to happen, it's up to God or, you know, the higher power. And then there are the fatalists, the people that think, well, the universe already has a plan for me, and it's destined to happen, so, you know, it's just my fate or my karma or something like that. But then in the middle we have universal manifestation, right, where we are in charge of creating every moment and every thought. So, but these other two things, especially one with religion, where, um, you know, those of us who believe that God is guiding everything, everything that happens in our life, that's a hard one to shake, isn't it? Um, yes, and, and you, you know, you bring up such a, um, you know, such a great point because um, I, I try to leave out religion. I mean, I was I was um, born and raised Catholic. My sons were were raised Lutheran, and my wife and daughter are both Jewish. So, on one hand, we like to kid around and say, like, if there's only one path to heaven, well, we got it covered because one of us is going to get there, and they'll bring the other ones up there with us. Um, but so I'd like to leave, you know, I typically like to leave religion out and, and, and then even you can focus on spirituality and science and leaving science in there and, and, um, science and spirituality are really starting to come together. But I think even when you look at religion and having been, you know, been raised Catholic, um, and, you know, I think of this universal, this divine consciousness that I like to connect to, I think of it as a Christ consciousness because that's, that's how I was raised. Others can think of it as a Buddha consciousness or just a divine consciousness. But, but even, even, you know, in the Bible, and it's, you know, look at, you know, Christ was a yogi. And, you know, in Ephesians 5.13, he says, all things are made manifest by the light for all things made manifest is the light. Now, what is light? Now, this is religion. You can say, you know, okay, this is what Christ said. So all the religious people can say, okay, well, what is that? Well, light is consciousness. So now substitute consciousness in that, in Ephesians 5.13, and you have all things are made manifest by consciousness because all things made manifest is consciousness. And, and that gives you a whole different perspective on things. You're like, whoa, whoa, all things are consciousness. And that's what, that's what Christ was telling us. And, so, and that's what so many of the you know, religious teachings were, and, and a lot of them get misinterpreted. So, so leaving out, you know, again, religious you know, dogma versus um, you know, even spirituality or science, um, I, like to, I like to bring it forward to what's happening today when people are, let's just say, going through some really serious health issues, um, and when you see and look at all the spontaneous healings that are happening all over the world, and these documented spontaneous healings where people are 
healing from, you know, brain tumors and all different types of illnesses and, and paralysis and they can't walk and now they're walking and they're seeing and you're saying, well, that, that's kind of, you know, crazy, but it's, it is documented cases happening where people's thoughts and emotions are changing their biology um, and they're literally healing. And so from a, you know, from a scientific standpoint, you know, this is, this is really happening today. And I think this is, you know, it's, it's all about linking, you know, to this, to this consciousness and the, and the two things that in all these spontaneous healings, people, the, the two common threads are, one is that people, they think that, they believe that there is a power higher than them. And so they, they do think that there is something in there, you know, that, that, they, can, that they can tap into. And that's, you know, and that's probably the, the, the single, you know, most important thing to me is that there is something. And you can, it can be a, a god. It can be a guy with a long, you know, white robe and a gray beard. <clears throat> or it can just be this, this consciousness. But, you know, you have to believe that you can tap into, you know, something um, – something greater than you and that you know you have to believe that you know your your thoughts and emotions you know do you know do affect you know the, the the biology in your in your body so and thoughts are vibrations thoughts are energy right correct okay okay you know and, and i think for, for some people that's kind of a hard concept how can my thought be energy you know it's not i don't see anything moving around so what um you know how does that play in that our thoughts are 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 vibrations and energy well i think harder for people to comprehend is that their energy that your physical body is energy you know so or or vibrations so if we think of this if we go back to what you know, let's just say, and I, and I don't want to go too, too much from a religious perspective, but if you go back to Ephesians 5.13 and saying, you know, all things that are made manifest, meaning everything in this world um, made um, by consciousness because everything you see in this world is consciousness. So when you try to get your arms around that and you say, well, this is all consciousness. What is consciousness? It's vibrations, right, or energy. So not only are your thoughts vibrations or consciousness but but we are thoughts and consciousness and if you if you try to take a further step back and you say okay there is you know before you know at the you know you can say you know in in genesis 1 3 1 3 and god said let there be light and there was light okay well the, the entire universe is created and now there's light or consciousness how can you be separate from that so there's there's a total conscious there's a universal consciousness and now, how can you be created and be separate from that consciousness? You can't. So you are not an individual separate piece of consciousness. You are an individualized piece of the consciousness. And that's where we all have to get to understand. You can't get out around the fact that, you know, in, just look around you. Look into the st- sky. And you can't say, well, yeah, there's no place that that ends. Or that I'm, I'm not over here and, and that consciousness is over there. I'm within this, this universal consciousness. And, and we, we just can't get around that. Hmm. What about, um, <clears throat> okay, so... You know, I'm, I'm thinking about um, the people that um, come to me 
for healing and, uh, and people who are listening. And some people um, have these um, psychiatric injuries of um, trauma, from trauma, I should say, that cause PTSD or complex PTSD. And these are things that we can't think our way out of. So how do you speak to that? Or can well, we? I think we, believe we can. No, <laughs> yeah, we, we can. And, and, it, and it, makes it, it makes it harder and harder. Um, I think the only way to really look at it is saying, you know, it's, it, it's hard for someone who hasn't gone through what that person has gone through to try to tell them, how to deal with it. You know, like, you know, the old axiom, you know, unless you've walked in someone else's shoes. So it's, it's hard. So all I can say from the, from that perspective, um, I'd like to say there are people, what, what, what you should look at is those, those people that are walking around today that have dealt with PTSD or really, you know, some serious trauma that have dealt with serious, serious health issues, that have helped with, dealt with serious issues such as, you know, abuse, um, you know, spousal abuse or child abuse or, or, or addictions or things like that, that, that have overcome them. And then you look at them and say, well, okay, now we're talking, now that person did walk in my shoes. What do they do? How do they change? And it, it was about what they were thinking and, and, and the lens through which they were observing their life. It was trying to connect with this, this higher self, with this, this consciousness, this universal consciousness, and looking and observing their life so that they're no longer at the effect of it, of what's going on, and utilizing that imagination and that's why, you know, Einstein said imagination is more powerful than knowledge. I mean, why would he say that unless, unless your imagination is, is, is pretty darn powerful? And so imagining what it would be like knowing, saying, I don't want to, do, do, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to feel this any, anymore. Okay, so start to imagine how it would feel if you didn't have to do that. Okay, well, but, but my reality, it, it's... I do feel this way, and I, this did happen to me. I can't pretend that it didn't happen. You say, well, you can say right from this point on, how do you want to feel? And imagine just from right now, imagine how it would feel if that was no longer you know, a, a part of your life. And so looking at people who have done that, and there are people that have overcome all different types of things, and it wasn't easy. Like I said, the concept might be simple. You say, well, yeah, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's not easy because they spent hours and hours every morning and then all through the day reminding themselves over and over and over, this is how I want to feel. This is I am better. I am healthy. I am happy, whatever it is, and they overcome it. And once they overcome it, then they never want to look back. They have this, now they're stuck in the present room, if you will, this feeling of love. They have love and joy and this feelings of freedom that they never want to go back. And people say, well, yeah, but remember that. They go, don't even talk to me about that. I'm done with that. I don't want to feel those feelings anymore. I'm, I'm just loving this. So I would say to those people, look at, 
look at the people who have gone through similar things because they are. They are in this country. They are around this world who have dealt with every type of significant challenge that you can think of who have overcome them and now they are living a carefree, you know, love-filled life. Um, and that's who I would want to emulate. Great answer. So, so physiological damage, and if we go back to uh, what you were talking about, the scientific aspect of it and how um, <clears throat> hormones and cortisol and um, epinephrine and all those kind of things change the way our body functions. So we can heal physiological damage, right? Is kind of what you're saying. Absolutely. It, it, well, it's, 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 it's proven by science, so it's not, right. you know, it's not my premise or your premise or, you know, a bunch of malarkey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we know it's scientifically proven. Right. And I love the fact that you bring science into it because um, you're, uh, you're appealing to all different kinds of um, concepts and, and beliefs. Um, and you really have, you know, and I've tried to touch on various beliefs to see how it all pulls together. And you always pull that together. And it all comes back to the past, present, or future rooms, which is why um, I just fell in love with this concept, because there's nothing that cannot be explained this way, right? Uh, that's true. That is true. And, and really, if you want to take it one step further, is, that, is the concept that there's really only one room. And when we when we go into the past room it's just with our thoughts we're not physically going back in time we're just going with our thoughts and that's that illusion of of separation and when we go into the future room and we're feeling fear and and all kinds of anxiety stress that's just the illusion of 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 separation and so there's really only one room which is if we are if we can ground ourselves with, with love and that self-love that we talked about, being selfish and being feeling of I am, you know, I am a good person and I, I am happy and I am healthy and you start to, you know, get that feeling. Once you, the more you ground yourself in that, then all those negative emotions, they, or let's just say the negative feelings that are caused from, you know, the derivatives of fear, all the anger, guilt, you know, resentment, shame, blame from the past, or all of the stress, anxiety, and things from the future, they cannot exist when you do get centered in that feeling of love. And that is the key, you know, thinking about it, going back to the, you know, to, to the image of light and darkness and knowing that darkness cannot exist with, within the light, that fear cannot exist in love. So I'm going to put those glasses on the, through the lens and see my life through the lens of love. And you walk around every single day and you be one of those people that are just, as I said, annoyingly happy. And, they, and it's not because they, they have all these things that, that you know, that you want, um, and when you put on that, you know, and see through the lens of love, you change your life instantly, even though nothing physically has changed. In this 3D reality, in this physical world, nothing's changed. Your life, is, you're still going to the same job. You still have, you know, the same family. Everything's going on, but you look at everything differently. And you say, well, this, this abusive, you know, spouse, I mean, I still have to deal with that. No, you don't. Now you realize, you know what, I don't have to deal with it anymore. 
And, you know, my, my wife always said, you know, uh, something that I always laughed about and I thought it was so profound when you, she said something like, you know, if, if you ever, you know, whatever we said, if you ever hit me, if you ever cheat on me, you ever do this, she, she always says, well, you know what, I would forgive you and I would miss you. And I, and I laughed at it because it's true. She would just say, you know what, you know what, I don't need that in my life. So good luck to you. Bye. And and that's that's all of a sudden you you realize well that's when you love yourself enough you don't have to put up with anything. So not only do you not have to put up with a you know, um, let's just say an abusive spouse, but you don't have to you know put up with other you know um, people doing negative things to you or saying negative things to you, but you don't have to put up with your own negative thoughts like I'm not going to go there and stop beating myself up anymore or I'm going to stop worrying about whether I'm going to get that car and be angry at my, my neighbor who's got in his car I'm just going to be focusing on, on being happy and imagining you know, having the things that I want in my life and all of a sudden that becomes your habits and it's repetition over and over and what are you doing? You are changing your subconscious mind you are changing that you're reprogramming your subconscious mind through these habits and repetition of I am. I am happy and I am healthy and I am wealthy and I am wise and I am loving myself. Wow. <clears throat> you say, um, <clears throat> I wrote down some, a couple of quotes last time and I just wanted to touch on them. So you say the key is to be aware of yourself as an observer and not of what you are observing. If you focus on what you are observing, you will attract more of that into your life, whether you like it or not. And then you say, I'm going to go a little further, um, and these may be two different thoughts, but I have them <laughs> in sequence. The act of observation itself is absence of, absence of judgment. If our focus is on the observer, then we just observe. To form a judgment, we need to interpret what we see, and that interpretation is based on our individual perceptions. So I guess these, these are two kind of different things, but, um, but basically you're talking about the observer, what you are observing, judging what you are observing. So let's talk, a little, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I think that's... Um being aware, if you think of, and the last time, you know, we touched base on, on, on the, the dash, and, and I like the concept of the dash, but, you know, because Linda Ellis wrote this wonderful poem, and the dash being, you know, on a tombstone, when you have the, the day of your birth, and then the day you passed away, and then in between that dash that connects it is, is the, the, the time that you spent here on, on earth, and, and we are all in the middle of our dash, and if we know that, and if we know that, you know, the one thing as humans, we understand that, you know, there is, you know, um, you know, mortality, and, and we're not going to live forever. Everybody knows that. So, so if you someone says has a terminal illness, and they say, well, you know, I'm going to die soon. I mean, what is soon? You know, soon it's just trying to you know, put a time frame on the completion of your dash. Um, and this is we we are all going through a dash, and we're all going to die at, at you know at some point. And, and when you can start to then observe your dash which is like the movie of your life, now you're starting to observe it where um, you're not fully attached 
to it. You're not emotionally attached to everything that's going on, which is goes back to the very beginning where he said, you know, the, our our experience of life is, you know, is based on what we think. And in order to, you know, to to know what we think or which room we are in, we need to observe our thoughts. And is that active observation that separates our awareness from our thoughts, so we're no longer at the effect of them. So you can literally be watching yourself in this movie of your life. And I do that sometimes and it just, it takes practice and it's actually fun. (laughs) You just start to observe like, okay, here I'm in the movie of my life. And then someone comes in and someone says something ridiculous to you. Someone says aggressive, like, oh, you jerk. And you just, you laugh instead of taking it to (laughs) that person called me a jerk. And you, you know, action, reaction, Mm -hmm. action, reaction, you give it back to them and they give it back to you more. You just laugh and you go, yeah, right. And then you walk away. And so you've just observed that you're not going to let them. This just happened to be someone who was coming in. Now, why did they say that anyway? It really didn't have anything to do with you. It had to do with what they're going through in their life. And you don't know what they're going through. They could be going through some really you know, serious stuff, and they just kind of took it out on you. But then people internalize that, and I can't believe they said that, and then they hold on to that for a long time, and, and you just create all of these different negative you know, um, relationships in your life. Instead, you're just, you're just, you, know, you observe it, you smile, and you say, I'm going to just keep surrounding myself with, with positive energy people. I'm just going to keep enjoying you know, what's next. Where do I want to go from here? Because, you know, when, uh, I, I like the, 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 the concept of the, the, the Hopi Indians, um, they always looked at, besides always, you know, looking at things, um, how they would affect the world like seven generations away, um, you know, they also, they, they, they have these incredible, you know, um, concepts that, that there is only now. And so everything is either what has manifested up until this point right now and what is manifesting so everything in your life you just start to observe it as you know this is already manifested so look around wherever you are now and you look around your room or you're you're in your car or whatever it is and you say okay all of this is already manifested up to this moment now from here on what is manifesting in my life what is coming what's next what do i want to see in my life and now all of a sudden you start creating your future the future that you want because you're coming from a loving place saying, wow, I'd love to, you know, it would be, feel great if, if this could happen or, you know, imagine how things would feel. You're creating your future. And so that's how you're separating your, the act, that active awareness or that awareness of self. You're no longer caught up in, in all of this physical reality of, of everyone else's issues coming at you and you're letting your life be controlled by by what other people are thinking and feeling. Instead, you are turning it around and you are having how you think and how you feel create what you see. I am so inspired by you. (laughs) I'm just sitting here and thinking, wow, I'm going to look at my day really different today. Um, And and as you say, it is very deliberate. We can look at things any way we want. I wanted to give you an opportunity to um, just tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote, uh, where it came from, and what it's going to be about. Um, well, this um, it, it, it's a fictional story, and um, you know, in the three rooms I'd mentioned at one point, I think it was in chapter nine, it said you know this in this land of perception and time that we call Earth, and and then I went you know on and talked about this, um, and I called this. 
earth of this physical reality, the land of perception and time, because everything that we see and hear and our experience here on earth is, is, is influenced by perception and time. Um, and then I also talked about this field of potential probabilities, which is where our thoughts go. Um, and um, just, uh, just as I did not intend to, to write the three rooms, um, but it kind of came through me, you know, it came out of me somewhere. Um, the, the concept of the next book, a fictional story, is called The Land of Perception and Time. And it is mm-hmm. the story of, um, on one hand, you can say it's the story of a, um, of a human being, a boy, learning to communicate with his higher self. Um, but actually, you can also say it's, it's the story of an, of an eternal being who is learning to communicate with his human self. And so there's there's a lot of dialogue that goes on, and it's a fictional story that's um, you know where we you know tries to answer the questions of where we came from, you know why, and, and um, it also mixes as we talked about earlier, kind of the spirituality and, and, and science, um, because the boy you know ends up in a um, with a with a quote terminal illness in a, in a in children's um, you know hospital and um, and and how he deals with that. So. Um, it's my first foray wow. to fiction. Um, it's you know it's something. Like I said, I I didn't. You you can't come up with this by yourself. I it was just taking a lot of the concepts of the three rooms that and um, extending it into the into a, a fictional story. That sounds so wonderful. I can't wait. Um, when when are we expecting this to come out? Or don't we know yet? Um, well, yeah. Just since it. I was ecstatic this week because you know since since I wrote the three rooms, it's literally been been writing this for the last two years, and now um, I just sent the um, the completed manuscript to my editor um, yesterday. So okay. Um, okay. you know, so it'll be a little while, but not you know not too long. And um, but you know, it's a it's a big relief for me even you know right now to just you know having completed this. It was just like completing the the, the three rooms. I was like, okay, now I'm done. Okay, that's great. I did that. And then when, when this came, and now, you know, there's, there's, believe it or not, there's going to be two more stories of this. It wasn't, as soon as I completed this, it was already, oh, well, this has happened in book two, and this happens in book three. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be writing for a while, Kevin. Well, um, yeah. I, like I, you know, I said, I want to know when this book comes out. I want to get a copy. I want to read it, and I want to have you back so we can talk about it. You know, some people learn better by a story. You know, they can apply it better by a story. Like in my book, Close Encounters, I give case studies. There's little stories about each situation so people can see themselves in that. And so I think that this is going to be super powerful. I love, I love the way it sounds. I'm really excited for you. Um, uh, you know, and I know you're going to be busy, so. <laughs> and I've written. Well, I, I would books, love so to. I, I would love to be back on. I, I would love to talk about it, um, because you know, I, mm-hmm. I I do agree. A story, um, especially a fictional story, people can't say, "Well, that's not true," or "That's not exactly right." Mm-hmm. And you just say, "Well, it's fiction." But when someone right. closes, the, you know, the book at the end, they say, "Well, could that really have been true?" Or, or how much was that true? Well, wow. and they, you know, and if it makes people right. think, it's so from you know your book as well. It's you know mixing that, you know, you know making you can make it in fiction, but making it kind of believable enough to be like, okay, that's that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, I really appreciate you know the opportunity you know to be on your show. I I, I love 
the discussion and the dialogue that we have. I, I love the, the insightful questions that you ask, and so I um, I greatly appreciate this experience. Oh, it's you know it's wonderful. I'm I'm really um, thrilled to have you back. And you know what was really interesting what, that was happening as we were talking is because I I tend to um, download thoughts from I don't know where. <laughs> And every time I had a thought and wrote it down, you would go to that place. <laughs> so, um, really interesting. There was a lot of uh, a lot of connection going on there, which I, I was kind of laughing to myself. Um, but yeah, so a lot of most of the questions I ask, I'm being directed to ask you, I, although they feel like mine. But you know, I never take credit for that. But um, I knew that they were spiritually based because you would go to that place. Or use the word, like I'd write down a word and you would use the word in your next sentence or something like that. Um, <laughs> interesting, huh? Um, a, a very, not surprising, but but very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just thought I would share that with you. Okay, well, we're done. We're over. Um, time is up. Thank you again. It's just been so much, so wonderful. I, you know, I can't have discussions like this with many people in my life, so <laughs> I look forward to this. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm one of those people I feel honored and um and I and I look forward to chatting again. Okay, sounds great. All right. Well, keep being happy, stay in your present room and um we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks a lot, Randy. Take care. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife@randyfind.com. Check out my uh, my app, Narcissistic Abuse Awareness. Check it out. It's all there. And, you know, I think because this show is so powerful, um, I'm going to work on a transcript um, and try to put it out there in bites. So, you know, if you are on my app or on my website, randyfine.com, um, that's where it will appear. So it's going to take me a little while because this was an hour show and that's a lot of writing, but um, I'm going to attempt it. Anyway, may joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.